Today is Thanksgiving Eve. It's good to have you with us here for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer on God's Word. It's not um, a church holiday officially, um, but it's one that the church has, I think, long since, well, the church in America anyway, has long since um, taken the occasion to to hear God's Word and to give thanks to God for all of His many benefits, which we'll be doing this evening at 7 p.m. So join us in person here at St. John Sherman Center um, on, on the eve of Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe you could just consider yourself more according to the Jewish reckoning of the day where Thanksgiving begins, Thanksgiving Day begins at sunset uh, and uh, to the following sunset, if that helps <laughs> or not. Um, I know it's partly for convenience sake, but uh, it is... It's kind of the same thing happens on Christmas Day and whatnot. If you're going to, um, you know, have a, a noon or around lunchtime meal, um, having church kind of interrupt your preparations in the morning um, can be difficult. And uh, for Christmas, more than happy to interrupt your preparations in the morning and have a later meal on Christmas Day. Uh, whereas uh, on Thanksgiving, yeah, it's okay. We can uh, recognize it this evening at our normal Wednesday evening service time. All right, so 7 p.m. tonight, join us then. Uh, our readings today... Because school's out, I, I want to take a break from our reading through the book of Genesis so that we can resume when, when school resumes uh, next week, Monday. Uh, but to, uh, today we're going to look at uh, the perseverance of faith, and tomorrow we'll look at Thanksgiving readings. All right. So perseverance of faith. Let us begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I will. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Memory verse? First John 3, right? Yep. Let's say it together. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, verse 2. Here's a psalm. Maybe the hymn uh, is loosely based on the psalm, huh? That we heard. Psalm 92. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold your enemies, O Lord, for behold your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. 
to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. We're introducing the Lord's Prayer this week. So first, the introduction of the prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. What does this mean? With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true Father and that we are his true children, so that with all boldness and confidence we may ask him, as dear children ask their dear Father. First petition, hallowed be thy name. What does this mean? God's name is certainly holy in itself, but we pray in this petition that it may be kept holy among us also. How is God's name kept holy? God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, also lead holy lives according to it. Help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. Protect us from this, Heavenly Father. Struck here by the uh, translation of Luther's catechism here, and specifically the word profane, right? Now in English, uh, I can't remember what the German is, I'd have to look it up. Um, but uh, profanity, you know, that's another um, word within the, uh, the semantic domain of that, of profane. So according to uh, Oxford English, here we'll just go with profane. Uh, well, actually, let's look at the origin first. So it's late Middle English in the sense of heathen from the old French profane from the Latin profanus, which literally means outside the temple, not sacred, from Latin pro for before and phonum, which is the word for temple. So to profane is to be outside the temple that is not sacred. Right? We, we've been talking about this in Bible class, the last two classes, the sense of, or that really the lack of sense of shame and guilt. Um, and some of that is just uh, intentional blindness and ignorance. But in particular, before God, the things that should make us ashamed before God, right? And those are the things that per, that are profanity, right? The profane, his name in particular, Luther is concerned about here. Um, so to speak of God in ways that you would never speak of him in church, for example, or never should speak of him in church. So uh, for Luther, and he's right, is that the name is given to those who are baptized. You look at the small catechism on baptism. And because the name is given to the baptized, then the baptized their, their words and their actions are confessions of the name that's been placed upon them because they are God's. Now they are God's witnesses, right? In lives of faith and devotion. So anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word, right? So it's not just applying, of course, it's applying to the, to the pastor, but also to the father of the ha- or the head of the household, right? But it's applying to every Christian because they have God's name placed on them. Their life is to be a reflection of that name, the only things that belong in their life and in their teaching are th- is that which God's name can be attached to. Hmm. Um, so that's truth and purity. And again, we don't have holy lives, purity, profanity. These, these categories um, have been lost by us. And this came up in the context on um, Sunday in Bible class talking about um, our boys and girls living together outside of marriage as if they are married uh, with no shame or guilt, and even with the endorsement of their parents and grandparents um, who consider themselves Christians, right? Well, that is not teaching according to God's word, right? As a parent, um, it is not leading a holy life according to God's own institution of marriage, right? 
Um, is there is that truth or purity? They're lying. They're saying they're not married, although they're living as married, right? So uh, it is a profanity, and it is uh, something to which uh, the word of repentance uh, needs to be, right? So uh, that somebody, uh, that these be repented, brought to a confession of, of, of the truth, right? Amend their lives and live according to God's word. That's what we're praying for in the Lord's Prayer when we say, Hallowed be thy name. Right? It's a pretty expansive uh, petition, more than just simply calling upon God's name in all times, which will be in, actually in the next time, the next uh, petition. All right. So holy, purity, truth, and profane belong to this whole realm of words that have to do with um, our standing before God as his baptized children, and then also our reflection of that standing uh, before the world. Good. All right. Uh, as I said, we're going to look at two readings here that have to do with the perseverance of faith. I think they, uh, I think when we hear the Matthew text in the lectionary, the Ephesians text is attached. It may not be. All right. But uh, this is to encourage you in times of trial and testing. Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. All right, quite a, quite a bit to uh, discuss here. Uh, first, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. All right, so be strong in what God has given you, uh, putting on the whole armor of God, Right, which is our resistance from the devil. And of course, putting on is that language of baptism that we put on Christ. Right, So we wear Christ as our garment. We're clothed in his skin, if you like, uh, to, to look at yesterday's reading, right, with um, Jacob uh, having, well, actually it was two days ago, Jacob with uh, the goat skin covering his uh, smooth skin. Right. Um, notice then also the enemies of faith are not uh, flesh and blood, so it's not your family. So if you're gathering with family tomorrow and you get into an argument, remember they're not your enemy, right? They are your family. And even if they're misled, even if they're holding to um, error, even if uh, the argument is about the truth, notice that they are being held captive to an, um, an alien force, right? Um, something outside of them. Um, they themselves are held captive. Um, and again, what do you do with somebody who's held captive? You You show them the way of freedom, right? Release them from their from their bondage. You don't um, fight them as they're like a, a wounded dog or a cornered animal, right? So remember that, that uh, the enemy is not your family. It's not your friends. Um, it's not your neighbor. The enemies are, of course, um, all of these categories of heavenly beings. Principalities is one. Powers is another. Um, you can see this in the apocryphal writings, for example. 
These are described as, as different um, ranks of angels. Uh, rulers of the darkness of this age, another. Spiritual hosts, another, of wickedness in the heavenly places. So all the different ranks of the fallen angels. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, and that you may be able to withstand on the evil day. That you will be able, as would be another way to translate that, and having done all to stand. Right? And then, of course, it's the word of God. And then notice it's not just the word of God being put on, but it's the word of God um, applied, right? So 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints, right? So last night I was being watchful, keeping vigil um, for my friend's son uh, who had to go into the ER again um, and needing needing help uh, as far as diagnosis and treatment. It's been a few weeks here and um, lots of questions and not a lot of answers at this point, right? So um, saying prayers in the night watch, right? Um, and then specifically, Paul requests prayers from the church in Ephesus for him, specifically in his office of the ministry, right? So that um, the Lord may bold, have him open his mouth and that he may boldly speak uh, the mystery of the gospel as as Christ's ambassador, despite being, uh, being held in chains, right? Speaking boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, maybe you don't pray for your pastor, but you should. <laughs> and in particular, praying um, that he speak uh, the word of God truthfully and uh, faithfully and for the benefit of faith and for uh, obviously directing one towards the gifts that Christ gives for the forgiveness of sins, right? That forgiveness that he purchased in one of the cross. To pray for that, um, it's not uh, an easy task. Sometimes um, sometimes it's easy to get a little bit uh, hung up on other things that maybe don't matter or aren't necessarily relevant. Right, and lose the point, lose the, the plot thread, if you like. All right. I suppose there's more that we could say about this. Um, well, listen to what Luther has to say about prayer in the large catechism. I think you'll, you'll hear its application here. We need to know this. All our shelter and protection rest in prayer alone. For we are far too weak to deal with the devil and all his power and followers who set themselves against us. They might easily crush us under their feet. Therefore, we must consider and take up those weapons with which Christians must be armed in order to stand against the devil. There you could think of Ephesians 6, right? For what, what do you imagine has done such great things up till now? What has stopped or quelled the counsels, purposes, murder, and riot of our enemies by which the devil thought he would crush us together with the gospel? It was the prayer of a few godly people standing in the, in the middle like an iron wall for our side. Otherwise, they would have witnessed a far different tragedy. They would have seen how the devil would have destroyed all Germany in its own blood. But now our enemies may confidently ridicule prayer and make mockery of it. However, we shall still be a, still be a match both for them and for the devil by prayer alone, if we only preserve diligently and do not become slack. For whenever a, goodly, a godly Christian prays, Dear Father, let your will be done, God speaks from on high and says, yes, dear child, it shall be so in spite of the devil and the world. Isn't that beautiful? For whenever a godly Christian prays, dear father, let your will be done. God speaks from on high and says, yes, dear child, it shall be so in spite of the devil and all the world. Wow. I love that quote. Good. Yeah. Still in the hospital. I'm waiting for some tests. Don't know. Um, ER isn't helpful by the way, with uh, hospitalization, <laughs> unless you have acute symptoms that can be treated immediately.
So given this is a long-term issue um, and uh, the vitals stabilize kind of on their own, um, it's gonna it's gonna be a while until there are answers, I think, unfortunately. Okay, and again, speaking of persistence in prayer, um, in this case, it's a woman praying directly to Jesus as we do in our prayers, right? But uh, in person, <laughs> face to face. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. All right, you're going to see in a lot of uh, our devotional resources and material, or even in our confessions, Luther's writings, etc., that um, this text, this story of the Syrophoenician or Canaanite woman, depending on how you want to say it, um, and her petitions to the Lord, you know, with prayer from a distance and up close, and then Jesus' seeming responses, um, seeming to rebuke, well, to ignore her, um, to, to remain silent, um, to call her names, to rebuke her, that uh, that's all for her benefit. And uh, my plan is for us, and I haven't composed this yet, but um, to consider maybe in part tonight the things that we don't give thanks to God for, but that we might um, consider doing so. I mean, we generally don't give thanks to God for uh, old age, you know, for the issues of old age, I should say, for sickness, um, for loss, for suffering. We don't give thanks to God for poverty, uh, for hunger and for thirst. We don't give thanks to God for um, economic distress, um, for plague and for famine, these sorts of things, right? Because those are all bad, <laughs> right? Instead, we give thanks to God for the good things, right? We make these categorical distinctions between what is good and what is bad. And yet, uh, if we read someone like the prophet Job, which we did a few weeks ago, and you, you read Job, and Job gives thanks to God for all things, both good and ill. Think about maybe the marriage vows in that regard, right? Um, that you promise to be faithful to your spouse in, in, in uh, sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, right? Till death do us part. Right? And that's, the relation, that's a mirror of the relationship that we have with Christ, that he sticks with us in poverty and in wealth and sickness and in health, etc., right? And that we stick with him too. And that a part of that confession then is that everything that God gives us to experience is actually a gift to us. Even the things that we don't like or that we would categorize as bad, uh, this is a hard thing to confess, of course. Uh, but Job confesses it. Um, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Huh? The Lord taking away is a blessing, you see? Um, and that's in regards to the death of his uh, children, which is really a remarkable confession, is it not? Right. So um, uh, Luther has another work called um, A Simple, what does he call it? Uh, or an exposition on the Lord's Prayer for Simple Laymen. Right? So this was a, a guide to kind of work through um, the Lord's Prayer. 
So I'm going to show jump to the uh, how about we go to the Amen? Right? What does the word Amen mean? Or maybe I'll give you the introduction first. It's not long. Um, I think Concordia Publishing House has a nice little translation that Matt Harrison did. Um, a simple way to pray, I think is what it's called. Uh, maybe not. Where's the beginning? All right, here we go. It really should not be necessary for my sermons and for and my words to be circulated widely throughout the country. Certainly, there are other books that might properly or profitably serve as sermons for the people. I do not know, know why God destines me to be involved in this game in which people pick up and spread my words, some as my friends, others as enemies. It's induced me to publish this Lord's Prayer previously published by my friends. All right, so there was a previous, or Agricola had previously taken uh, lecture notes and published them. And to exposit it further, Lord's Prayer further, in the hope that I may also do my adversaries a favor. It's always my intention to be helpful to all and harmful to none. <laughs> That's a little sarcasm. Well done, Luther. When Christ's disciples asked him to teach them how to pray, he replied, in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, etc., um, but pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. From these words of Christ, we learn about both the words and the manner, that is, they tell us how and for what we are to pray. It is vital that we know both. First, consider the manner, that is, how we should pray. Our prayer must have few words, but be great and profound in content and meaning. The fewer the words, the better the prayer. The more words, the poorer the prayer. Few words and richness of meaning is Christian. Many words and lack of meaning is pagan. Therefore, Christ says that the disciples should not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. And in John 4.24, he tells the Samaritan woman, those who worship God must pray to him in spirit and in truth. The Father despises such, desires such worshipers, I should say. Second, a prayer may be spoken unbidden, but reluctantly and grudgingly, or for the sake of monetary reward and honor and praise. Such prayer may better, were better left unspoken. However, they'll receive their reward. All right. So let me go back to the Amen here. I got to scroll through all the petitions. And let me share with you what he says in the Amen, because it's connected to what, uh, to the Syrophoenician woman. All right. The little word Amen. That's the section. This little word Amen is of Hebrew or Jewish origin. In German, it means that something is most certainly true. It is good to remember that this word expresses the faith that should have or that we should have in praying every petition. Christ says, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And in another passage, he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive it, and you will. This is why the Gentile woman was heard. She asked with such persistence and believed so firmly that the Lord said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire, and pray. Notice how Luther uh, supplements there a little bit. And in James 1, we read, Let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts in his faith must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Therefore the wise man declares that the end of, of a prayer is better than the beginning. Ecclesiastes 7. If we conclude our prayer with the word Amen, spoken with confidence and strong faith, it is surely sealed and heard. But without this conclusion, neither the beginning nor the middle of the prayer serves any purpose. Right? So this is why um, you've learned... Uh, from me, I think, I don't think it was the case before, is that I don't say the amens for you often. I allow you to say them, right? So I speak to you on behalf of the Lord, and then you respond, amen, right? So I say, like at the beginning of the sermon, in the name, in the holy name of Jesus, and you respond, amen, right? Let 
this is most certainly true. Let it be so, according to your word, however you want to understand that. Right after at the end, right? May God grant it in the name of Jesus. Amen, right? Yes. And you can say it boldly and strongly. I try to teach the children this too. Um, say it like you mean it. <laughs> Even if you don't, right? I mean, that's part of the point. So then, before a person begins to pray, he should examine and probe himself to ascertain whether he believes or doubts that his prayer will be fulfilled. If he finds that he doubts or is uncertain, or that he prays at random, the prayer is nothing. His heart is not constant. He wa- it wavers and wobbles back and forth. It's impossible for God to put anything into such a heart, even as you cannot drop anything into a person's hand if he does not hold it still. All right. Uh, what else? Anything else on that? No, that's probably sufficient for now. All right. On prayer. All right. So persistent um, in faith, right? Confidently knowing that whatever the Lord gives, even if it's silence, right? We have that. Um, even if it's the rebuke, I was only sent for, except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, which she does not belong to um, by blood, but only by faith, right? And, uh, or that she is considered a little dog, right? Uh, a house pet, uh, unworthy of the children's bread. The, the answer of faith is, yes, your rebuke is correct. Amen, Lord. You are correct. <laughs> But dogs even get crumbs, right? So notice how she, uh, uh, not in the way of Satan, but in the way of the faithful, catches the Lord in his words. Lord, d- didn't you say? <laughs> you see? See how she does it? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Always remind God of his promises. You see that in the Old Testament and patriarchs, right? In the patriarchs. God, you said, right? Or what will the other nations say if you deliver us into the wilderness and then cause us to, to, to die of starvation here? Right? Yeah, that's true. You did promise to deliver us to Canaan. So we're holding you to your promise, Lord. Right? That's perfect. All right. Good. Uh, Let's sing. Uh, How about we just sing the last stanza today? Stanza number three. Sing hymns of praise 
All right. There's a method to my madness. Um, we only sing the one stanza because today is actually a commemoration. And the commemoration is of Clement of Rome. Clement, born in 8035 to 8100, so first century, is remembered for having established the pattern of apostolic authority that governed the Christian church during the first and second centuries. He also insisted on keeping Christ at the center of the church's worship and outreach. In a letter to the Christians at Corinth, he emphasized the centrality of Jesus' death and resurrection. Quote, Let us fix our eyes on the blood of Christ, realizing how precious it is to his Father, since it was poured out for our salvation and brought the grace of repentance to the whole world. That's 1 Clement uh, chapter 6, verse 31. Prior to suffering a martyr's death by drowning, Clement displayed a steadfast Christ-like love for God's redeemed people, serving as an inspiration to future generations to continue to build the church on the foundation of the prophets and apostles which Christ, with Christ as the one and only cornerstone. All right. So, here I'll share a little bit more uh, from his epistle. But not to dwell upon ancient examples, let us come to the most recent spiritual heroes. Let us take the noble examples furnished in our own generation. Through envy and jealousy, the great and most righteous pillars of the church have been persecuted and put to death. Let us set before our eyes the illustrious apostles. Peter, through unrighteous envy, endured not one or two, but numerous labors, and when he had at length suffered martyrdom, departed to the place of glory due to him. Owing to envy, Paul also obtained the reward of patient endurance, after being seven times thrown into captivity, compelled to flee, and stoned. After preaching both in the East and the West, he gained the illustrious reputation due his faith, having taught righteousness to the whole world, and coming to the extreme limit of the West, he suffered martyrdom under the prefects. Thus was he removed from the world and went into the holy place, having proved himself a striking example of patience. Skipping ahead a bit. It is right and holy, therefore, men and brethren, to obey God rather than to follow those who, through pride and sedition, have become the leaders of a detestable emulation. For we shall incur no slight injury, but rather great danger, if we rashly yield ourselves to the inclinations of men, who aim at exciting strife and tumults, so as to draw us away from what is good. Let us be kind uh, one to another after the pattern of the tender mercy and kindness of our Creator. For it is written, The kind-hearted shall inhabit the land, and the guiltless shall be left upon it, but transgressors shall be destroyed from off the face of it. All right, so you have a pretty strong indication of um, the understanding of the the, uh, reverence due to the saints um, and using Peter and Paul as his two examples there. And there's more in in his epistle. All right, let us pray. Almighty God, your servant Clement of Rome, called the church in Corinth to repentance and faith to unite them in Christian love. Grant that your church may be anchored in your truth by the presence of the Holy Spirit and kept blameless in your service until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O Lord, absolve your people from their offenses, that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live um, 
in ordered harmony according to the Word of God, for parents who must rear their children alone, and for our cities, or I should say communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, before we say our petitions, just a note. We've been praying for Willis Lippert. Uh, if you didn't see the note on Facebook or an email, um, he died in the Lord yesterday morning, and his uh, funeral and committal will be next Wednesday afternoon. So you can make plans uh, to join the family uh, and to say farewell for a time uh, to Willis. All right, well, we'll keep his family in our prayers today. All right, but first, let's give thanks to God for... Um, with those, I should say, who celebrate the gift of their baptism today, Betty. We also pray for those um, households of our church, especially Michael and Michelle, Timothy and Kim, Norm and Donna, David and Sherry, Jason and Nicholas. Pray for our catechumens, Christian, Wyatt, Aaliyah, Lydia, Charlie, Kaylee, and Kimberly. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Joe, Kelsey, Walt, Christopher, Dan, Brad, and Ron, Marla, Betty, Pat, Merlin, and Heidi. Pray for our homebound, Bev, Ed, Mickey, Paul, and Pauline. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially uh, the work of the Federates families. Continue to pray for the government and all those under authority. And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Willis. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. That's our congregation of prayer for today, Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022. A reminder, again, this evening, 7 p.m., you can join us for um, divine service as we give thanks to God for all of his many blessings, not for just the ones that our friends and neighbors do, but um, even those that are, we'll say, more significant, actually, in the long run, that is the gifts um, by which the Lord delivers faith and keeps us in that faith. All right, so we'll have that. Uh, Anything else? Clement, I don't think he... Yeah, he prior to suffering a martyr's death by drowning. So I don't know, I don't know if that's like uh, like a rebuke of his baptism, perhaps, I guess. I don't know. So that's an interesting note. Clement of Rome, drowning. Let's see if we can find any kind of story on that. Here, I'll just send, a, I'll post a, a kind of a summary here down below. Oh, yeah. Tradition dated from the 9th century tells of his martyrdom, martyrdom in Crimea in 102 by drowning when thrown overboard from a boat with a ship's anchor tied to him. Early sources said he died a natural death. All right, so there's some uh, argument about that, as there usually are. Okay, so with that, I uh, hope to see you this evening, and uh, blessed uh, Thanksgiving Eve to you, and uh, 
God be with you. We'll see you soon. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.